Good morning, good morning, good morning. I, did, I didn't really want to come up and preach yet. I was having so much fun worshiping. That was awesome. Um, exciting stuff. Uh, I'm so excited about just the interjection of new songs and all the uh, things that the worship team is going on. You might uh, see that we have a new speaker. Uh, the drums sounded like drums this morning. That was exciting for me. Uh, it's not that Gene changed anything. It's like just the way that really scientific sound wave stuff. I have no idea. Jimmy knows all about. He explained it to me. I did the whole nod and uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anywho, I liked it. <clears throat> Today we're talking about growth, uh, grow part two. If our mission is to reach, grow, serve the community for Christ, uh, there is some applications that need to happen in that growing process. We have to reach people. We have to be actively inviting and bringing people into uh, our church. We have to be introducing them to Christ. We have to be part of a, a family that will help us grow as individuals and we can help others grow. And another way in which we do that to spiritually get healthier is, um, is to grow. And we do that with our growth track. The growth track really, is, it's, its purpose is to unleash people, to help them find what, how God has made them different, all those uh, wonderful ways uh, that he has empowered them and to set them forth into our community. Some ways that will mean that they are set forth and volunteering in different ways in our church. Uh, some ways it's I get a passion for working at X place, uh, and that is totally wonderful. But I don't know about you, but when I worked in secular stuff, um, my job was not where I really felt like I was unleashing my passions or my gifts. Can I get an amen on that? Um, but so there's kind of this pointless feel and this pointless feel and this pointless feel. But when I got to use my gifts uh, that God had uniquely given me, maybe it was only for an hour throughout the week, I got more life-giving stuff out of that one hour than I did 40 hours at the job. And so as a church, because when we are in our sweet spot with God, I think it unleashes us and our, even our personalities in a whole new way. Uh, he gave you those quirks for a reason. Some, sometimes they uh, are very effective in reaching a certain kind of person. Um, and so we want to be helpful in, in unleashing us uh, to that. We also want to help you get the foundations of what spiritual disciplines are. Spiritual disciplines sound like a very scary thing, like someone's going to hit you with something. Um, that's, that's not the case at all. But spiritual disciplines, basically think of it as you know, basic training or the, the, grow, the practice of our faith, uh, spiritual practices. The very the fundamental, the three that we're going to talk about today um, is coming to church, being in the body of Christ, praying, and reading the Bible. Now, there is a bunch more that we can get really detailed into. Some of them are kind of scary sounding if you haven't been doing the first couple uh, for a long time. Um, some of them, like fasting and meditation, you're like, that just sounds weird. What is that, what is that about? What do you, you want me to go without food, Jared? Do you know me? If I fast, do you know me? All right, so uh, that, but those are kind of like next level stuff. That is the, uh, uh, but we want to we concentrate on just introducing you uh, to those first level of spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices if that doesn't um, make you scared like the word discipline does, uh, but that's Okay. Get this out of 1 Timothy 4. We're going to be bouncing around the New Testament a lot today, but we're really going to be talking, going through how to do life, how to go towards holiness, godliness with Paul. And so we're going to spend some time in Romans 12 and also in 1 Timothy 4. 
For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value of all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Developing as Christians is vital to our movement as believers. We have to develop. When we become a Christian at some point in our life, you are not born again as a fully developed follower. That doesn't happen overnight. It's not like, oh, I got saved and now I'm Mother Teresa. This does not happen like that. It is a lifelong progress towards holiness. And the Church of God of Anderson, this church here and the movement in which we're affiliated was founded on this, these principles of continually trying to get better. Not that we will attain perfection, but to become more like a God who loves us so much. That just being in, in conversation with God, just accepting his wonderful gift of salvation isn't enough for us, but we are continually striving to be more and more like God. That's this big churchy word, holiness or godliness. Does that make sense? Is that accessible for you? Uh, I don't want to scare you off with these words that we're using today, but they are next level Christianity. So often we, uh, in the South, we talked about, we talk about somebody, they're saved, but they're just barely saved. Like, like they, they just barely over that line. Um, and I'm tired of being barely over that line. I want to be fully running towards God and stuff in, in, in my life and how we uh, do things. And I want to be chasing after him with abandonment. And I want all that he has for me, not just kind of getting close to that line and seeing how close. Because that's how I did my whole teenage years and my whole, a lot of my 20s was how close to that line can I get and still be a Christian? And that's not what holiness and that's not what godliness is like. Godliness is running towards God with everything that we can, throwing off all the stuff that holds us back, maybe the weight that we carry, throwing it off so we can pursue God even better. Our development is directly tied to our participation. Our development as Christians is directly tied to our participation. Now, if this is your first time at church, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm glad you're here. I really am. But one of the things that's important for developing as a Christian is it being at church. Is that to make me feel better about how many people came to church? No. It is about that we are part, as, as Paul talks about in Romans 12, we are part of the body of Christ. And every part of the body of Christ has a certain function. We'll read it in a second. But it's like... Coming to church, not coming to church is like you're leaving the church without a vital organ. That if we're not here and we're not getting to participate in you and you being here, it's like we're in renal failure. It's like one of our kidneys are gone. Yeah, we can, we can deal, we can live, but our quality of life is not as good, right? If you have to keep on going and getting uh, dialysis, I am strapped to that machine for what? I don't know how long that takes. I'm getting into medical stuff that I know nothing about. But it's, it's the, you're stuck to dialysis. Right? You can have life, but your quality of life is gone. That's what happens to the body of Christ when you aren't here, is that our quality of life, the way in which we can chase after God, is stunted. Does this make sense? Church attendance is important. It's really important. Being near other Christians, being near people is important. It is vital to our development. It's vital to the new Christian's development. They need to be around you. They need to see people in the faith that have been there before and people they can talk to and walk through. 
We were talking about this, um, dealing with youth ministry, because sometimes kids are like, oh, I got too much homework, or I can't, I can't be there. It's the same for us. Look, kids are in public schools, and they need the bastion of, of what church is and what it can be, or a place where they can be themselves and be safe. And I was like, oh, I'm going to really hit the teenagers on that. I thought that was stupid. You guys are working out in the world, and you need what the church can be, speaking life into your hearts. If you miss out on that, and you're like, oh, man, I'm really not get, doing well with my, my Christianity. I'm really not close to God right now. When was the last time you came to church? I was thinking about this, and I thought about this one point. I, ha- I, I, I regularly attend the gym. I regularly attend the gym. Can't you tell? I regularly go to the gym three times a month. That, I am not making that up. That is not a joke for funniness. That is truth. I regularly go to the gym for three, three times a month. Now, I know I have certain expectations for me going to the gym. I am not going to look like my goals. I'm not going to lose the 20 pounds that I want to lose if I only go to the gym three times a month. And when I go, I'm only there like 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, that was enough. That five minutes on the treadmill is going to do wonders. (laughs) I spend more time tying my shoes than I do lifting weights, right? (laughs) You laugh at me. That's okay. Why? But I have these expectations on that that are, are totally false. When we only come to church one or twice a month, and we expect our faith to be solid and growing and healthy. What? what? How is those? Ex- do you see how those expectations do not line up? If we're not in the place that we can get healthier, we're not going to get healthy. And so it might feel like I'm picking on you like, Jerry, we're at church today. Why are you yelling at me? It's just part of the whole thing. I want to encourage you in this. And it's going to get worse. So there's going to be some toes stepped on. So put on your steel-toed boots or whatever you need to do because I'm going to take that a little even farther here in a second. But it's important. It's not just a, uh, if I feel like it. Uh, if I didn't have anything on Saturday night. If there wasn't a wedding to go to, if there wasn't a, you know, I didn't work too late on Saturday night. I didn't have a birthday party. or Oh, I have something at 1, so I don't know if Jared's going to quit talking quick enough. Listen, I'm done by 11.05 every single Sunday. So if you have a question, if you can make it by 11.30, you can. That was you sitting out here in the, in the lobby talking too long. That wasn't on me. Okay, I promise you. I make, it's in the bulletin. My services last hour, hour to hour and 10 minutes. I'm always done by then. Because Kelly in the back with the, the toddlers will yell at me. That's, that's really my wife thing is why I do that. But that's that every week, okay? Our development is directly tied to our participation. See, I see our faith. It is very easy for us to be like, well, if God wants me to get better, he's going he's to start moving in that and, and shaping me and doing all those things. He has an active role in that. But I want to kind of reshape that a little for you, that the Holy Spirit is like our personal trainer. Now, they have these things at gyms, I hear, that are called personal trainers. And if you go more than three times a, uh, a month, you probably could get one. You, now you have to pay for them. There's a cost to getting involved with a personal trainer. As I think there's a cost when you get involved with the Holy Spirit, there is more of denying yourself involved when you ask the Holy Spirit to start shaping your life. But when you're on the, a, a piece of equipment, let's say you're trying to do the bench press. Now your personal trainer will slap some weight on there and you're like, well, that ain't fun. I like it when it's just the bar. Right? And he's going to stand over top of you. 
And he's going to say, all right, let's go. We're going to do eight. And for some reason, personal trainers can't count. Because they're like, eight, eight, eight. And they just keep on making you do it over and over and over again. And you're like, wait, wait, you need to go back to math class, sir. Uh, But they're there to help you and guide you, but they don't pick up the weight themselves. They've already worked out during the day. The Holy Spirit doesn't need your spiritual workout. He's pretty good. But he's there to help and guide your workout. Now, if you get in trouble, he picks up that weight. But he's going to take you to the point in which you don't think you can handle it anymore. And that's where you get the most development. That's what a good trainer will do, and that's what God does. I was thinking about this in terms of prayer. I thought, you know, most of the time my prayers are, God, take this away from me. God, take that away from me. God, God get rid of that for me. And I, when I started thinking about a personal training, I'm praying against the very things God has given me to make me stronger and draw me closer to him. Does that mean that he doesn't care about our problems and our issues? No, 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 no. But I thought, what if I'm praying against the very things he's going, no, Jared, this is there to stretch you and to make you closer to my heart. And if you really want godliness, if you really want to pursue me, you're going to have to deal with that. And I'm here with you and I'll walk with you through it, but you got to pick up that weight. So ask yourself the question, what does my church attendance look like? It is reflective of what I want my Christian walk to look like. Maybe it's exactly where you want it to be. But I'll tell you what, my gym attendance is nowhere near where I want my weight to be. My eating habits, they're not what I want for myself. I've got to make the decision. I'm not expecting myself to go ahead and lose weight because I pay the gym $10 a month. Maybe if I joined a more expensive gym, it would lo- I would lose it faster. I don't, I, don't, I don't expect that. It's because my commitment level has to be greater for me to get the results that I'm yearning for. Romans 12.1 says, or 12.4, sorry. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, through many, form one body. Each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Every organ has a job. I hit this before, but can I do life with one eye instead of two? Yes. Is it optimal? No. Can I do life without ears? Yes. But is it optimal? No. Can I do life with one lung? Yes. But can I run a marathon? Probably not. I can't do things optimally if I have not my whole body with me and and helping me. Does this make sense? This is why it's so vital that we do life together, that the body has to be working together. I want to talk about some of the excuses that we have why we don't come to church. The things that I've always heard is that I was too busy, or my job got in the way, or my kids had homework, or there's a sporting event. And 
when we allow those things to come in contact and win over our church attendance, parents, what we're doing is teaching our kids how to serve an idol. I'm mad at myself for saying that. I'm going to say it again. Parents, what you're doing is showing your kids how to worship an idol. You're saying that sports is more important. You're saying that an education is more important than God. It's a great thing. Sports are a great thing. Your job. Kids, we miss, we miss church all the time because of our job. What we're saying is money is more important than God. That's what you're teaching. That's what you're showing. You, may, you go, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Everything we do teaches our kids something. And so I remember showing up to church in my baseball uniform and leaving, going, Dad, shut up, please. It's going to be the third inning before I can get there. Let's go. I remember it. Remember it, remember it, remember it. I remember scratching events as a swimmer because there was some of my events were early in the morning on Sunday morning and I couldn't go. I remember sitting out games because my coach was mad at me because I, I skipped the game for church. I remember those things, but those lessons taught me that God is more important than all the other stuff. It's more important. Is an education good? Yes. But what you're saying when you say, oh, they had homework and they can't come to church, let, let me tell you what they're saying. You're saying because your, prior, your time management skills we're poor because you didn't work on Friday or Saturday for the thing, that you're saying that, oh, I'll bail you out, and church is not as important as your social life on Friday or Saturday. It's what you're saying. I know, because I tried to work that as a kid. But as a dad, the last thing I want to do is show my kids how to worship idols. And if you look at the Old Testament over and over and over again, because people weren't willing to make a hard stand against culture, because they were, they were saying, no, not my house, they wouldn't say, no, not my house, we won't go worship that calf, or we won't allow that astra pole to be sitting on my property, the people of Israel fell, and God just turned his face against them. He'd say, okay. If you're going to keep on worshiping idols, I'm over here. That's one of the big ten, one of the ten commandments. Don't do that. We don't have astro poles hanging out. <clears throat> At least I know. We don't have golden calves. But we got the Bears game at 1 o'clock. I know it's not today. I understand. But we got those things in our life. We have to be very cognizant of it. I know it's hard. But what we're telling our kids is saying, hey, you know, your schedule and your life is more important than our life as who we are as Christians. And so when the hard questions come when they're teenagers or in their college, how important is Christianity? Apparently not that important because my parents never made it a priority. They might have said something, but they didn't live it out. Do you hear that? With as much love and grace as I can say to you, you've got you to put that in your head. And I hope God can, can work on you in that because church attendance has got to be important because if you're going to get healthy, you got to be in a healthy spot. I don't want to give Satan any easy victories. And when we say, oh, it's okay, we're not going to go this week. We're not going to engage in that this week. 
Satan didn't even have to work. There's so many distractions here in this room right now, right? There's so many to-do lists and all the things that you got going in this room in the right place right now. Satan's got to work to distract you now. But when you're home on the couch, he doesn't have to do anything. He's like, oh, sweet. I get Sunday off. I'll take a Sabbath. I don't, you know, <laughs> that doesn't work right. I don't want to give Satan any easy victories. And for men, for me and my house, that's not the way it's going to be anymore. I challenge you to take up that. Second question, how often do I pray? How often do I actually pray? Now, I'm not talking about the mealtime. Lord, thank you for this food. You know, good God, good food. Good game. Let's eat whatever you're going to say. You know, something real quick just to get your kid. You, you grab their hands just to make sure they're not, you know, stabbing each other with the forks. I know, I got two five-year-olds. It is what it is. But, but actually come before the face of God and say, God, I need you in my life. How often do we really slow down enough to pray? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who preserves under trial because they stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And I think as I went back with the, the personal trainer metaphor that, that blessed is he who is struggling through. That's where the growth comes. When, the, when you think there's too much weight on that bar, I can't do this anymore. Blessed is he who struggles and pushes through that for that is where the growth, growth comes from. If we're not connecting with God, connecting into God's greatness through prayer, how do we expect our relationship to strengthen? How do we expect it to grow? Kelly and I dated long distance for two years. I dated and married an older woman. She went to college before I did. Much older. A whole like nine months, right? So, um, but for those nine months, I don't let her forget those things. She went off to college before me. It was a whole hour away. <gasps> Our hearts are broken. For a 17 and 18-year-old, it might as well she lived in Hawaii. Right? So uh, that, that's what happened. She went away to college, and you know, we didn't see each other for five days a week because her controlling boyfriend would beg her to come home on the weekends. I apologize about that. I need personal growth. I understand. But the only way in which that relationship worked and that relationship deepened was by being in connection with each other. Now, this is the days before texting or cell phones. <gasps> right? I know I'm old. Uh, before, before these things, I had, a, I had a phone card that we went to the laundromat because that's where you could buy the cheapest phone cards. Had 8,000 numbers on it. And you missed one. You're like, come on. We said we're going to talk at 8, and now it's going to be 8.03. I'm going to, she's going to be thinking I'm breaking up with her. You know. You know it's true. You all had the same thing. Stupid phone cards. Uh, but the only way in which we connected was by talking to each other. And, yeah, some of those conversations were stupid. Oh, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. There's hours of my life that I will never get back. You know, like, I'm going to be on my deathbed going, oh, man. I love my wife, but that was dumb. <laughs> At least I married her. You all did it with people you didn't marry, so ha <laughs> <laughs> That was mean. I apologize. <laughs> I 
But how often do you pray? How often do you maintain that connection? How often do you come before God to say, really do it? Not just the dinnertime prayers, but how often do you submit yourself to God's direction? Say, God, I need, I need to pray. Now, that might sound intimidating. The growth track has a wonderful um, section in 201 that's all about prayer and how to pray and how to pray different ways. And in the back of the book that we give you, it has all kinds of different ways to pray if that wasn't good enough for you. Just to, to pray and to in, engage in that and to take those steps of faith. Number three, ask the question, how often do I read the Bible? How often do I read the Bible? This is a beautiful thing. I am an avid reader. I can read really, really fast. But I'll tell you what, something about this scripture. That I can read great expectations, but it doesn't change my life like one verse out of this scripture does. I can read the greatest literature the world has ever produced. I can read Great Gatsby from cover to cover. It will not affect my life like one sentence from this book. This has... People who doubt the authenticity of Scripture, look, if you look at this as a historical document and you just try to read it, it will start to shape your life. The Code of Hammurabi will not start shaping your life. This will. How often do I read the Bible? Are we scared of it? Maybe. There's contextual and cultural things in there that kind of confuse us. I understand that. The problem is sometimes we start at the deep end of the pool. I don't take Bowen take off his life jacket and throw him in the 30-foot deep lake, do I? No, we start with a life jacket on in the shallow part. And then we start moving, and we start moving, and we start moving. But it's a process. If you are wondering right now, what, okay, Jared, I know I need to read the Bible. It's like one of those things, like I need to eat the Brussels sprouts. Okay, I'm going to cover it in olive oil for you right now. All right, you ready? Uh, For the easy, the, the manageable, I had a pastor once, he called it putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. Like, we want, we want you to get in that cookie jar, okay? It's good stuff. There are a couple books. If you want to read about the life of Jesus, read John. John is the most complex and the easiest at the same time. You can be working on John for a long time. You can spend the rest of your life just reading John over and over and over again. And each time you read it, you're like, oh, that is awesome. Promise. I didn't write it. I just love it. Go. Oh. Yvonne loves it when I find something new in the scripture. I come out, I'm bouncing like a three-year-old. Did you know this? And she's just like, you're hilarious. She's like, no one ever gets to see that part of you that I come out of the book. Oh, did you know this? She's like, no, I didn't know it. You, okay. And so she gets Bible nuggets all the time that you guys never even see. Bible nuggets. <laughs> How often do you read the Bible? How do you do that? Okay, so John, Gospel of John, if you want to read about Jesus. If you need encouragement for your day, Philippians. Philippians, it's only four chapters loaded with awesomeness. Philippians, Colossians. If you want to know how to be a better dad, be a better leader, 1 Timothy. You can add 2 Timothy and Titus onto it if you want to. They're really, really short. Those last three, you can read them like in a day easily, even if you're not a strong leader. They're only like four chapters real fast. If you really want to feel accomplished, you can go to 3 John and read it in like 30 seconds. But whew, read a whole book of the Bible today. It still will start to affect the way in which you view the world, the way in which you parent, the way in which you love, the way in which you work. Because this is the scripture. It's not literature. 
This is God's holy word, not some author trying to make a point. 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Our regular eating habits correlate to our faith habits. We are a nation of overweight, malnourished people. Because we grab the easiest, quickest thing that we possibly can to put in our mouths. I do it. And I also only go to the gym three times a month. But what... I can't expect anything better if all I do is grab the Twinkies and put that in my mouth. I can't expect things to get better for me, my health to get better, my cholesterol to go down. I can't expect any of that. And some of us have been avoiding eating veggies for a long time. And I'm telling you what, the scripture is the best tasting veggie you possibly can ever put in your mouth. In the Bible, it talks, uh, the angel of the Lord sometimes tells the prophets to eat this scroll, eat this book. And it's this metaphor to consume this scroll, consume the Bible. And every time the, the, uh, whoever's eating it says it tasted like honey. That this, if we just consume the scripture on a regular basis, it'll be like honey being poured in our mouth. It's not a Brussels sprout. It's not kale. It's not spinach. It is the best for you honey that you ever could have. We've got to read the scripture. I know it's intimidating, but don't let Satan win on that. If you have a question, email me. My favorite part of my job is answering Bible questions. You can judge me if you want, but that is my favorite thing to do. It might take a couple days to get back to you because some of your questions are very difficult. I guarantee you, you're not the only one that's ever had that question. And it doesn't say that your faith is bad or shaky if you have questions about the scripture. Don't let Satan have an easy victory. You are an armed warrior of God when you start reading the scripture. So many of us, by not interacting with it, have just put our sword down and let it get rusty in the corner. Read the Bible. Come to church. Pray. It's pretty simple things. But when we start thinking about them, how regularly, how part of our daily lives do we make them? I want to make them just as easy and as part of me as breathing as I chase after godliness. Training our body is some good, but chasing after godliness, what does the scripture say? Has value for all things in the present life and the life to come. We have built systems at this church to help us in that. The growth track is all about helping you come to become the believer that you want to be, help you get to the whole, or you never arrive at holiness, but get on the track for holiness, on the track to become more like God. That's what the growth track is all about, and it's about unleashing you and unleashing your God-given potential. It's only a four-week commitment. We do it. We do the same one on the first week of the month. So the same one that was done the first week of September will be done the same way on the first month of October. And the same one that was on the second week of October, or September will be done the same as October. And if we, we just keep on repeating that because we are very passionate about having everyone be on the same spiritual journey together. When we're like herding cats and we're all running different directions, that's very difficult. Let's all get together 
and let's march in the same way and be the most effective body of Christ we possibly can. I want to urge you to sign up, or you don't even have to sign up for Growth Track. You just come. It's down in the loft at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. I also want to urge you to sign up for our life groups as we do life together, as we talked about the small uh, interactions that we have together. We have some amazing life groups happening this year. Um, there's another one that got launched this week that uh, wasn't available for sign-up last week. It is a grandparent-specific life group. I'm really, really excited about this. My mom wrote specific curriculum for this. It is how to pass on your spiritual legacy to your grandkids. And she is so excited to, to do it. I was like, why did you do that? You're not a grand... Oh, yeah, you are a grandparent. Like, she's, she's still not that old in my, in my eyes. It's like, well, oh, I do have five-year-olds, don't I? Um, not that she's not a fantastic grandma. It's just I don't even see her that way. It's kind of weird. Um, but she, she is just full and overflowing of how uh, to pass on uh, the spiritual legacy to your grandkids. That'll be on Wednesday nights at their house. Um, if that... If you're not, you haven't been interested in a life group forever, and that one just went bing to a light bulb, great, go sign up for it. If some of the other, there's some amazing life groups all over, uh, doing all kinds of different things for women only, for men only, for mourning only, to all kinds of different things. Uh, please go out underneath the TV in the lobby and sign up for that. We had an amazing sign up last week, and I'm very excited about the health and the uh, the way in which the life groups are being handled this year. Guys, I want more for our church, and I want more for you. I want us to run after holiness with reckless abandon, and I want to take as many people with us as we possibly can. That we aren't running like stray cats. That we have direction, and we have purpose. And that direction and that purpose is to bring glory to God. I know some of the things I said today are kind of hard. But you know what? Training and going through whatever we're at, Learning, getting ready for a sport, those are hard things. This is way more important than any of those ever could be. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I ask you to guide us and direct us in the decisions that we have to make. Maybe there's some hard choices and hard dinnertime conversations we need to have with our spouses about where our priorities lie. Maybe there's some conversations we need to have with our kids that they might not be too happy about. But we need to show them that you are the most important thing. God, right now, I I just pray that you would point us towards holiness. That those of us who are saved are not just happy where we're at, that there's this constant burning and yearning to be closer to you. That we are constantly driven to be better, to be closer, to be more open to your will, to be more open to who you have for us to be. God, I thank you that you have uniquely made each and every one of us with special talents and gifts and personalities. That no one ever will be exactly the same as me here on earth. That you made me that way for a purpose. And God, I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives who you're calling us to be and who you want us to be. God, I ask for strength. I ask for courage. I ask for your presence to be made known in us, that we can make these hard choices and we can make the decisions that need to be made. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.